When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Sharkman, joined every Friday by my main man, Eric Bell. Find us on youtube.com slash Steelers Talk or subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast today. We got a fully loaded show for you guys. Some actual news happened this week as we approach training camp. Very exciting stuff. Alex Highsmith inked a big deal. Ryan Clark had some uh, interesting words on Kenny Pickett that we'll dive into. And like last week, we went over the tight ends this week. We're going to go over the wide receivers and who you should expect. Pittsburgh Steelers, five, possibly six big men out wide to be this season. It's a beautiful day in the Berg. It's been a beautiful week here in the Berg. I feel my friend. Feeling pretty good, man. Yeah, thank God we got some substantial news to talk about this week. Uh, excited about that. The Highsmith contract getting done uh, kind of saves us from any, you know, training camp, quote unquote, drama. So I'm excited that we won't have to discuss a holdout or a hold in or anything like that. But, man, I'm let's, just uh, I'm just so ready on for that ball. real quick, dude. Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter that Jr. is not that is a contract. True, I guess. Holdouts yeah. coming. Holdouts coming. What would you. OK. What would your odds be for you to take a bet that a rookie, a second round rookie, would actually hold out of training camp? Well, you know, this used to happen like all the time, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We, we back used in to, the day. Yeah. Back in the day when not we even that long ago, like Laramie Tunsil held out. I'm pretty sure we didn't we didn't have the traditional the new CBA kind of system draft slot. So we mm-hmm. would see stuff like this happen from time to time where rookies wouldn't uh, participate early on in training camp. But I still think that, you know, something's going to get done. I'm not really sure quite what the holdup is. I'm sure that it probably has something to do with the fact that he was the 32nd pick. Maybe yeah. maybe they're kind of after that fifth-year option um, and treating him more like a first-round pick since they, we had the forfeited pick uh, this past year. So yeah. I'm interested to see, you know, what comes of it, but I definitely think that something's going to happen. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got to address this real quick. Derek Stone, Danny. <laughs> people Derek say doesn't that. sleep, bro. Let's yeah. get that one correct. People, people say sleep. that all the time in the comments. That's just my face, man. <laughs> I promise. I don't even. I don't even drink. So I get people. No. At those, uh, I uh. So shout out. I've ran into like two or three people this week that have stopped me and been like, "Dude, I love your show," and I'm like, "Appreciate you." Um. And I over time, I've run into a handful of people who have been like, "Dude, is, is Derek stoned during the show or Derek looks stoned? And I'm just like, nah, man, he just like, he honestly sleeps like three and a half hours a day. So 
you know, yeah. you're just going to you're just going to look like that. That's just what it is. That's what it is. But uh, yeah, I don't think that I don't think Joey Porter, I don't think we got to worry about that. Excited about Alex Highsmith. Let's start there. What were your thoughts on the deal? You called this deal two, three months ago. You wrote the piece of this is what Alex Highsmith should expect. This is what the Steelers are probably going to pay him. You had that number right around 15 to 17 million dollars. What uh, what were your thoughts when it happened? Yeah, I was for one just again relieved that we got that out of the way, so that we don't yeah. have to you know worry about the drama aspect of it, a hold out, a hold in, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I wrote an article early February and said that you know I thought that the realistic expectation on what that he would probably sign for I think was four years, seventy two million, and he ended up getting four years, sixty eight million, so uh, right around that seventeen eighteen million dollar mark per season. Um, it's a fair deal. I mean, Highsmith yeah. is now paid um, on the edge of the top 10 edge rushers around the NFL. So, you know, he gets, you know, some long-term security. It looks like it's a, you know, a deal that works out both well for both sides, you know, on paper, Highsmith, you know, gets, you know, locked up. We don't have to worry about him hitting free agency, the franchise tag or anything like that next off season. And the okay. Steelers keep, you know, one of the best, you know, edge rushing duels intact, you know, for the foreseeable future moving forward. And, you know, that's a really important component, not just of the Steelers defense, you know, those outside linebackers, which are really featured in this scheme. But, you know, just in general, you know, being able to rush the passer and get get after the quarterback with four is, you know, it's crucial in today's NFL. So, yeah, 100 percent. That's, uh, you know, uh, it dropped right as we were finishing recording on Wednesday. So I did get to, you know get some thoughts out there but as i've collected myself i gotta say like this deal works out so perfectly for the steelers have you seen the criticism of i think it was colin coward who said like the steelers are overpaying on defense in an offensive football league and in a patrick mahomes league you know this is the numbers he compared the chiefs to the to the steelers i believe somehow financially i just my my thoughts there are like the steelers have always won with the philosophy and even if they haven't won the last 10 years, you know, they've had the same philosophy and that philosophy does work, you know, just because there's really one difference between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And that difference is Patrick Mahomes. But there's one difference between the Kansas City Chiefs and all 31 other teams in the NFL, and that's Patrick Mahomes. And if you don't have a Patrick Mahomes, you got to figure out another way to win. Well, that way to win is for defense with the Steelers. And I think that that's their move. You know, you've said this time and time again, that's how they win is through their edge rushers and through their defensive line. And they sealed that up and said, hey, look, you're going to have to beat us. And I think that that's, you know, that's going to help. That's going to hold strong. That's a way better way to go about it than trying to go overpay offensive talent instead of building offensive talent like they've done. And that seems to be working with guys like Deontay and George Pickens. Um, we'll stick with the defense here. Answer our boy Michael's question here. What would you rather have Benton or Leal become the next Hayward to it or Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice become the next Ice Taylor Bryant McFadden? Let's like, you know, shout out to Brian McFadden, Mike Taylor, you know, but let's not. Let's hope that Corey Trice becomes a little bit more than Brian McFadden. Um, what one are you thinking here? Oh, I don't know if I could hear you. Can everybody else hear you? Oh, you're muted. No, nah, you can't hear me because I'm muted. Um, no, but selfishly, I'm going to go with option number two because Ike's my favorite stealer of all time so <laughs> i would really I'd i knew that was to, coming yeah I, i'd love to have a you know deja vu scenario uh, in that regard but um you know that that's really tough i think uh, there's a interesting argument probably one that i could get really really long-winded about um uh, rather you know you want to pay your guys up front or you want to build from kind of the back forward so um 
that's tough, man. I, I would say that most people are, and probably the Steelers would would take your first option just because of how they typically try to build their defenses uh, from the front back instead of vice versa. But yeah, um, but yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think I'm going. I think I'm going the first one, Leal Benton, just because that's where the Steelers win and that's what we're getting into. But as somebody who enjoys fun football, Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice being 6'3 in the back end for the next seven, eight years would be pretty awesome. And the Steelers having reliable corners would be pretty awesome. And it would just be fun to watch. Like Ike Taylor was a joy to watch. Brian McFadden was a joy to watch. So I agree. But I think if you've asked the Steelers, yeah, they'd rather... Yeah. Cam Hayward, Stefan to it. Um, but back to the narrative of the offense over the defense. Thoughts on that? I know that, you know, like I said, you've you've said it time and time again. You build through your defensive ends, you build through your edge rushers. That's how the Steelers win. You take the narrative of Colin Coward saying this is an offensive league, or you just kind of brush that to the side. Yeah, Colin's not necessarily wrong about you know it's an offensive league. I think no. that the the spending aspect of it can can kind of get diluted from time to time. Uh, you know, the Steelers have a lot of young players on offense right now. You know, they've got a rookie quarterback. They've got, you know, a rookie uh, a running back that's on a rookie deal. They've got a tight end that's on a rookie deal. Yep. So, you know, they're just now starting to kind of spend a little bit on the offensive line to kind of compensate for some of their, you know, misses through the draft, uh, which is typical. But um, I, I think that that probably dilutes some of the disparity between the two sides of the ball. But, you know, this is how the Steelers typically do business, man. They, they, yeah. they want to prioritize the defensive side of the football. That's how the organization is built. It's their foundation. Um, I think there have been years in the past where I've been a little bit frustrated with the disparity between the two sides of the ball. But this year really isn't one of them because I look at the offense and it's very clear, you know, you've got young guys kind of all over the place. And I think that you – there's not a spot on offense where I look at and say, man, we're going into it with – this huge black hole that they just didn't address, whether it be yes. free agency or the draft. Like in years past, I think back to two years ago, we talked all summer about, hey, man, they they probably needed to do a little bit more to upgrade this offensive line. That ended up coming to fruition. The offensive line pretty much torpedoed that, that, uh, that season. But, you know, I don't think that that's the case this season. So to me, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I think that, you know, paying two edge rushers a lot of money is going to be an interesting case study for teams to study, like, moving forward. Yeah. But, you know, I think of it not in terms of premium positions or side of the ball. Like, is this person a premium player? And I think that you can argue that Highsmith has the potential to be a premium type of player moving forward. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think keeping talent and drafting good talent and being able to retain them and keep them in house is a really important aspect of, you know, the Steelers building team building philosophy. Yeah, 100 percent. You know, you're paying for you're paying for talent. Alex Highsmith's getting paid either way because he is that talented. You might as well keep him around. And, and the, the other part of that is for the last two, three seasons, you've seen what the team becomes when the edge rushers aren't elite. And if you could keep those two around and healthy. You got to feel real good about it. There's no more questions. Build Nick Herbig into a backup. Feel really, really good about it. And, you know, minimal questions surrounding the rest of that, the rest of that defense. All right, let's uh, jump over. Ryan Clark had some interesting things to say about the Pittsburgh Steelers and Kenny Pickett saying pretty much that the grace period, well, it's over. Quote, this team finished winning six of its last seven games. And when you watch him have a comeback against the last rate, 
Las Vegas Raiders and the Baltimore Ravens, you expect to see more of that. Now coming into the season, knowing you're the guy, you have to be ready to lead. You have to be ready on day one to show these guys you can lead them to the promised land. You also have to remember it was an extremely long time between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, the organization, Mike Tomlin aren't prepared to wait that long. Those expectations are held are heaped onto Kenny Pickett and that first round draft stock. You look at Kenny Pickett, he enters year two. The expectations are huge. I mean, like we talked last week about him being a dark horse MVP candidate. The, the noise around the Pittsburgh Steelers has been louder right now than it has been the last maybe two or three seasons, even with Ben Roethlisberger. Do you think there's a grace period? Do you think that the Steelers will accept some down before they get the good if the season starts slow? I think the Steelers are going to be patient with Pickett. I'm, I'm not really sure. I didn't hear Clark's comments until we talked about it. So um, I'm getting this a little bit secondhand. I didn't didn't hear it per se, but I do think that there there's always a grace period built in for rookies in general. I think that yeah. you know from a fan base perspective, you're more likely to overlook some things, especially from the quarterback position, because it's such a difficult transition from college to the league. The game's completely different. Um, and then just typically in general, rookie quarterbacks tend to struggle, which we saw Pickett struggle a good amount, especially in the first um, half of his rookie season. So I think the Steelers are going to be patient with him. I think that they're, may come a time where that gets accelerated a little bit. But yeah. I think some of what Ryan might be saying too, um, just from how I hear his comments, um, is that, you know, Pittsburgh finishing the season strong last season. And I think everyone kind of looks at this roster and says, okay, the roster is good enough to compete for a playoff spot. Yes. And we got we to gotta answer the question at quarterback, you know, is this guy, you know, not just the guy that can get the Steelers back in the playoffs, but, you know, potentially win their first playoff game since, you know, 2015 or whatever. Yep. So let me ask this, because I agree. I think that you have to be patient. But at the same time, just like you said, this team is built for a playoff run. This everything, all the other pieces are put together, maybe outside inside linebacker, but they're they're testing out new subjects there. Maybe that works out. The rest of this team is pretty solid on paper. How long do you give that? You know what I mean? How long do you go before you're like, okay, look, we have to make a drastic decision here because this team's too good for this. Yeah. I think and it's I don't, a, I don't want to make it sound like I think Kenny's going to be bad because I think Kenny's going to be good, but just, you know, just in this hypothetical, the way that Clark yeah. put it out there. Yeah. I think it's, I think it really just depends, man. I, I think by the end of year two, I think you ideally want to know kind of what a, what a guy is and what he ain't. And I think yeah. it's, it's more so with Kenny um, figuring out like what what kind of ceiling does this have? You know what I'm saying? And, you know, some guys it takes a little bit longer. Some guys, you know, they just come in right away. And I think to Ryan's point, you know, it's difficult, I think, for people to be patient with young quarterbacks because there's such a fine line. Right. Because the quarterback yeah. is so crucial to the team's success that everybody else's job kind of ties in line with that guy. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. um, but you know, not everybody comes in and just lights the world on fire like Ben did his rookie season. It's just not, that's not really the realistic expectation uh, or it shouldn't be uh, for rookie quarterbacks or for young guys in general. So I think, you know, yes, I think people will, you know, 
hold him to a higher standard in year two. Obviously, you need to you need to see some serious progression with him. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I'm I definitely don't think it's like all right if he's not a top. I know everybody loves rankings. If he's not a top twelve quarterback <laughs> by the end of next season, they they got to go a different direction. He's got to be I don't top think, ten. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. No, I think so too. I think that a lot of factors play into this. Like for one, like I think Kenny Pickett is a winner, and I think he's a leader, and I think he he checks a lot of boxes. But I also think that what Kenny Pickett does the best is he does not take over too much. You know, like. Patrick Mahomes, you have to shape an offense for Patrick Mahomes because that's how good Patrick Mahomes are is. But in Philadelphia, you know, you let you let the offense run the offense. You know, you let Jalen Hurts be Jalen Hurts and everybody around him be themselves. And that's how everything worked very, very well. I think Kenny's kind of like that same balance of if Najee's cooking, he's cool with letting Najee cook. And the offense is cool with letting Najee cook. And if that's how they win this season, and Kenny's just got to be there to win games and not throw turn the ball over and come in clutch from time to time and you know throw a touchdown or two a game, I think he's okay with that. But I think also like if he does have to take a game over and lead a couple of fourth quarter drives, he could do that too. Or if he's got to throw for three touchdowns and 250 yards in a game, he's got to do that. Or he could do that too. I think, See, that I, he's, think that, I think that's what you got to figure out this year to me if i'm defining like what it what needs to happen in year two i think those are the questions that you have to be able to ask yourself can he do it all is that what you're asking well well, i'm saying there's only a handful of quarterbacks usually there's only about like i don't do quarterback rankings per se or i don't really like them because there's so many different variables between scheme what quarterbacks are asked to do within the scheme the talent level around everybody is completely different I think there's usually three tiers of quarterbacks. It's usually the guys you win because of, which is normally your top five, six guys, which mm-hmm. like that means that every week when you walk into the stadium, you have an advantage because that guy's on your team. Yeah. And then there's usually about 15 to 20 guys that you win with, and that just means like if they play well, you're going to give yourself a chance. They are stable. They have the right environment. You know, If they're in the right system, if they have a competent environment with them, um, on on the offensive side of the ball, at least they're going to give you stable quarterback play, and then there's usually that bottom tier, which is either rookies, young guys looking to kind of solidify themselves as starters in the league, as guys yeah. you win because of. You know, you're kind of dragging them along a little bit. Those are typically your veterans that are aging out, or your young guys that are coming in to the league. But I think that's the question that I personally want answered the most: is can Pickett and this offense go toe-to-toe with some of these other high-powered offenses in the league? You know, is he going to be able to keep up with the Kansas Cities? Because that's the thing. There's only one Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, yes. there's, there's only one of those guys. But at the same time, you need to feel co- confident at the end of this season that a Kenny Pickett-led offense can keep up with the high-powered offenses in the league. And that means, you know, scoring like 30 points. (laughs) So how much of that do you put on Kenny? How much of that do you put on – are you going to be able to see – I think you – I mean, I think the answer is yes to this, but are you going to be able to see the discrepancy between, okay, that was Kenny Pickett, okay, that was Matt Canada? Well, those things are always going to be tied together, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I I think that um, that's that's the reality that he's in right now. You know what I'm saying? And I I think that you will be able to see – some stuff because I mean you you can see some of the deficiencies and some of the drawbacks to Canada's scheme, right? Um, I literally talked about it on Twitter yesterday. You know, if you <laughs> look at uh or the day before, if you look at Kenny's success kind of by dropback type last season, you look at his quick game stuff, his five step drops, his seven step drops, 
they're slightly below average in total EPA. So it's not like he was just completely terrible um, or anything like that. But when you look at his play action numbers, they were atrocious. And that's partially because Canada's system is like, it's just not built very well for play action. And they've got to figure out how to, you know, use play action to create some explosives to improve his efficiency. Um, because that's kind of what you look, if you look around the league, that's what other guys are getting. If you look at, you know, the Jared Goffs of the world and some yeah. of the things that play action can do for these quarterbacks that aren't, you know, these psycho built, you know, physical specimens, which Kenny's not in that category. He doesn't have a rocket launcher for an arm. Um, but play action can be a really big weapon to kind of mm-hmm. improve their numbers. I mean, if you look at Goff's numbers and you took his name off his pro football focus chart or whatever, you would think, oh, my God, this dude's definitely a top 10, top 12 quarterback. Yeah. But I don't really think people view Goff as a top 10 quarterback. You know no. what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think getting, you know, Canada's going to have to help him out. This is not just, you know, Kenny's going to be able to put it on his shoulders. But to your point, I mean, they're in this thing together. And that's the that's, decision that thanks. they made. So <laughs> that is as bad as it. That's like the worst thing you could possibly hear, you know, for both sides, because I think there is a large chunk of Steelers fans that are sitting around, you know, like hope it's like a weird feeling of just like, man, like I would lo- I hope it works out. Like, I really hope this season everything goes off. But at the same time. Like, you know, you you want you want everybody to cook while the team to still notice that Canada isn't it. Like, I feel like, you know, there's like a large chunk of the fan base, like kind of like is in that messy situation. And it could, it could mean Kenny's involved in a messy situation, which that stinks. That is, that stinks. Could you imagine building the whole team and then screwing up the guy who calls the plays and everybody goes down because you hired the wrong captain and then you kept him around like, Hmm, bad way to go. Yeah, I think I think we've covered that. Uh, yeah, that decision once or twice. Depth, once but, or twice. <laughs> but yeah, to- I mean, totally agree with you. I mean, it's the same thing with the quarterback, though, right? Like you can yeah, do yeah. all these other things. You know, we see it from organizations all the time. I mean, how many times do teams take this gigantic leap forward, and you got the quarterback that's kind of in a ball and chain, just kind of dra- they're, that they're having to drag yes. along? I think a good example of that is what the Jets were last year. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jets were hoping you know Zach Wilson had you know some pretty terrible um some pretty terrible moments you know last season that effectively lost the Jets games and then they had to pivot because I think the rest of their roster got so good and maybe better faster than they imagined so they had to go out and get an upgraded quarterback I don't think Pittsburgh's gonna be in that scenario I just don't Mm, I think Pickett's gonna be more stable if anything other than Wilson uh, than rather than Wilson yes agreed. agreed that's what happens sometimes yeah, I, I agree. I agree. 100% agree. That's, you know, we'll figure it out when the season goes, but that's interesting place to be for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, let's talk about the wide receivers. Last week, we talked about the tight ends, who we thought was going to make the roster. We thought the, I guess, the the depth chart, the lineup was going to shape out, whether or not Darnell Washington was going to be inactive. Everybody could go check that out on last week's episode. This week, let's dive into the wide receivers. There's a long list of them. I think the biggest question is who's going to make the roster near the end of that Miles Boykin, Hakeem Butler, Jordan Bird, possibly Calvin Austin's role. A lot of questions that come with this. Let's start with the big one. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Allen Robinson seemingly locks. I'd say Calvin Austin's a lock as well. They're not going to cut him, I don't believe, unless something drastic happens. Those are four 
after that, they typically keep five. Last year, they kept six, so that's still on the table. Who do you see making the the roster at the end of the, the depth chart there? Yeah, totally agree. The top three are definitely locks. I would say Calvin is a lock with the asterisk of he's healthy. I yes, think yes, If, of if course, Calvin of was to get you know, hurt the first day at training camp and he doesn't play again uh, until the regular season. I think that that could be a different conversation potentially, but yes. Yeah. Calvin's in a, in a really good spot to, you know, potentially carve himself out a role. I'm still leaning towards miles. Winkin making the roster. And I know that that's um, maybe not the sexy pick, but I definitely think that Boykin's skill set on special teams. If you look at all the turnover that Danny Smith, his group has had, I think that yes. you have to, um, you know, maybe value Boykins, you know, experience as a special teams guy a little bit more, but also um, just, you know, I thought he had a pretty good season last year in that regard. And he's not overly expensive either. So Boykin would be a guy from there, man. I think it's just, it's wide open. I mean, they've got yes. some reclamation projects, you know, Des Fitzpatrick, his time in Tennessee didn't necessarily work out. Akeem Butler, you know, we really haven't seen very much of anything from him really since he got drafted back in the day as well. So they got some interesting guys that I'm excited about seeing in training camp that are kind of potentially going to be battling for that last spot, whether they keep five or six or whatever. Yeah. So I agree. I agree. I think Des Fitzpatrick's definitely on the list. I think Akeem Butler and Miles Boykin are going to be very, very fun to watch. I still lean Boykin as well, just because of that special teams play. I also think Boykin is an undervalued wide receiver. Like he's an excellent run blocker. Excellent run block. There literally were formations last year where it was just Miles Boykin and Gunnar Olszewski out on the field, and you knew they were going to run the football because those two just went out there to run block, like at play after play after play. And I think that that adds a lot of value, but I also think that George Pickens is a good run blocker. I think Deontay is a decent run blocker for his size. You know, Allen Robinson, I don't know, but I would imagine since he's a big body, I think that you could compensate for that. I do lean that way, but I think Hakeem Butler's got a shot just because, you know, he's big, he's exciting, they're the same age. If he could play special teams, maybe there's something that's, there. That's the key right there. Yeah, he's got to be able to play special teams. Just as good as Miles Boykin, if not better. Um, after that, I agree with you. I think Des Fitzpatrick looked very good in minicamp, and I think that that's a name that we could start watching. I think Jordan Bird's got an opportunity, just maybe as like a kick returner. Um I think that Gunnar Olszewski is not ruled out yet. I don't know why he's still around, but that makes me question why is he still around? You know, like, is is there a reason? Do the Steelers actually like this guy? Is he, again, he's a good quality run blocker. Maybe that's what they're looking for at the end of that depth chart. Good special teamer. I think that it is. I think it is wide open. Very exciting to watch. Do you anticipate, like last year, kind of felt like they had to keep six. Do you think that's the same way this year? Because there are, like, you gotta, you gotta think, other positions like chances are you're going to keep five or six cornerbacks you know you're going to keep three or four safeties couple of inside linebackers like there's a lot of players on other positions that I think take up roster spots that they didn't have to allude for last year yeah I mean five or six I think it really just depends on you know if another player ends up pushing himself onto the roster right like sometimes yeah. we just see a player just freaking explode through training camp or explode through the preseason. I think back to some of the guys, some of the returners that they've had in years past where they were so effective, you know, in the summer that the Steelers had no choice, but to put them on the roster. So I think that that could be the difference between them keeping five, keeping six, but I I keep hammering this point home just because I think it's so important, but the special teams aspect of what these guys are going to be able to add, 
not just as a receiver is really going to matter for these guys that are looking to crack kind of the end of the roster. Unless my, or unless Hakeem Butler goes out there and he just looks like prime Randy Moss or something like that on yeah. offense to where, you know, he's pushing for significant playing time, which I think we would all be kind of surprised about that. Right. He's going to have to have some sort of value on special teams, because here's yes. the deal. If he is your fifth receiver and he doesn't play special teams, How's he going to get a helmet on game day? Yeah, no, he's not. You, you can only have so many different guys. And it's good to have those guys for depth, for depth. But that's how some of these guys end up making the practice squad because they just they can't contribute in, in more than one way. So, um, you know, I, the cornerback point is an interesting point because I do see them keeping, you know, quite a few, at least six, um, at least six uh, corners this year. I really do believe that that's a good a good possibility. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I went through him today because I was talking about James Pierre and my Steelers to go. And I like, you're going to keep Joey Porter Jr., Levi Wallace, and Patrick Peterson. You're probably going to keep Corey Trice just because even if he, Hope even so. if he isn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just like, you're just like looking at that as just like, okay, well, like, what are the expectations in year one? Doesn't matter. We want to see what happens moving forward. Down so that's four immediately. You want an actual reliable backup cornerback so chances are that's james pierre or luke barku or whoever so that's five and then you need a nickel so that's six guys like last year they kept four including arthur Millette. so you know they are i guess five with the kello witherspoon but they never they, they never like replaced him fully um they always just kept teasing different guys out there um so i don't know i think that it's it's very uh <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at the group chat. People are making fun of the cap locks. Um, it's very, it's very interesting. Let's talk about the other part of that, and that is Calvin Austin, because obviously it, it goes to if he's healthy. But let's say that he is. Let's imagine that this is his summer. What do you see the role of Calvin Austin being this season? What do you, what do you think? Even if you don't know yet, and you're excited to see, what do, you, where do you think he could fill for the Steelers? Uh, explosive place. I, I think that, you yes. know, when you watched Calvin at Memphis, he wasn't this gadgety type of player that you were, you would kind of assume from a guy that's not even five, eight, he's 170 something pounds. He was a legitimate outside wide receiver in college, which I think gives you some hope that he can be, you know, something more than a gadget guy at the next level. But at the same time, when you look at some of the explosive plays that Calvin had at Memphis. I mean, this is a guy that you can throw the ball to underneath. Yes. And next thing you know, you get a 30, 40 yard chunk play. So I'm excited about that aspect. This offense really needs some speed. If you look at, you know, the running back position, Najee's not a guy that kind of busts a bunch of explosive plays, you know, Deontay, George, those guys aren't like incredibly great after the catch or they weren't at least last year. Where's the speed come from? And I, I think that Calvin adds kind of a different type of, element to the offense because he has that you know next gear per se yeah so i think being able to get him some touches you know hand him the ball tossing the ball everybody loves to talk about the jet sweeps he's going to be involved in that uh area of the game but you know i think that you know him i'm excited most to see him in the slot how he transitions to playing in the slot what his body if his body can hold up in there and, and the things that he can do he's probably for me, the player that I'm most interested in seeing in training in training camp and preseason on the offensive side of the ball, just because I think that, you know, there is an opportunity for him to carve out, even if it's a smaller uh, role on offense on a weekly basis. 
Yes, I 100% agree. Like, I think that Calvin Austin, his floor is you could put him on the field when it's third and nine and you could, you know, hope something happens. Or when you're on the 20 yard line and you're just really looking for, yeah, I do want to get to that. Um, really looking for a chunk play. Like, I think that that's the opportunity that Calvin Austin has. But at the same time, like you said, he is an outside guy. Last year, he showed us that he can make big man plays in a small man body. So maybe that continues. And then, boom, we're looking at Calvin Austin being just this dynamic. He's a fourth round pick that the Steelers had high, much higher than that. So I think that the the upside is certainly there. The floor, I think, is what excites me is that like immediately things are going to be explosive, which is what you're looking for. Um, Michael, appreciate you. As always, we're a big fan of you um, and our boy Connor, who jumped in afterwards and made sure that. He shared the love most anticipated rookie versus veteran training camp matchup. Broderick Jones, TJ and Alex Highsmith or Joey Porter Jr. Deontay and George Pickens. I have an easy pick here, but I'll let you go first. Man, Michael's hitting us with some hard hitting questions. Michael, go we're going to have to have you start sending some of these in, man, so that we can get, you know, a little <laughs> I know, more topics. prepared for the show. Where, where you where you been all summer, bro? Like we I mean, you, <laughs> you've definitely been here. You've definitely been here. But we, we every week we jump on here just like, man, what are we talking about this week? We need yeah. your questions. No, I th- I think I think that's a that's an awesome point. I'm gonna go with Joey Porter Jr. for me personally. Yes, um, and that's just because I think the matchups. And this is gonna be a weird answer, but for Broderick, I don't know. I'm not. Highsmith is an awesome player. Obviously, he just earned himself a huge contract. But what I am most concerned with Broderick is more so power rushers. Mm-hmm. Whereas Highsmith is a speed rusher. So I think that Broderick is going to Highsmith's going to win those battles early on because he's the veteran in this in this uh you know situation. But I'm more interested to see Broderick against guys that are more power rushers because I thought that's more where he struggled in college. Um just because he's a little late with his hands sometimes can let guys get into his chest and you know. Um but Joey Porter Jr., you know, getting the chance to go up against Deontay. You know, we think about how Joey Porter Jr. is probably going to be used, not just as a rookie, but moving forward. You know, I think he's going to be a press corner. He's somebody that needs to be at the line of scrimmage in order to succeed. There are some things with his footwork that I want to see kind of get fine-tuned. And what better way, yeah. in my opinion, to get to get good in press coverage than go up against Deontay Johnson, who, you know, is one of the best separators and one of the best kind of defeaters of press um, in the entire league. So I definitely, definitely for me, and this is just me being biased too. I'm a corner guy. So I knew I'm, it. I'm I, say, I was like, as soon as I read Porter the Jr. question, I was like, oh, this Jordan is an easy Jr. one for Derek. What do you, anytime, anytime there's a cornerback involved, just immediately assume that Derek's answer is the corner <laughs> every single time. Um, I got to go with the same thing. Like, it's just, don't get me wrong. Broderick winning some reps against TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith is going to be exhilarating. Like that is going to be so much fun to watch. It's going to get the fi- the fans fired up. It's going to get teammates fired up. Like that's going to be exciting. Joey Porter Jr. versus Deontay and George Pickens is going to be like a whole training camp battle that I am very excited to watch. Not only just like you said, he gets to go up against Deontay, who's a, the possibly one of the best separators in football and just has just incredible footwork, which is going to test Joey Porter Jr. But on top of that, he has to go up against somebody in George Pickens who has more body control than anybody he will see in the NFL. And he gets to do that every single day. So you want a rookie to step in here and prove himself. That's how you do it. It's the the battle of the Decepticons, the just yeah, the that, freakishly the built. Ooh, could you <laughs> imagine that first jump ball? Outside. Yeah, just it's gonna be crazy, man. Crazy, 
crazy. Even all of them. Corey Trice goes out there against like the, the backups of Miles Boykin and Akeem Butler. That's going to be exciting. Patrick Peterson jumps on there and just like shows his old man skills a little bit. That's going to be exciting. Like, yeah, now the, the corners versus the wide receivers of training camp might be. It's going to be must-see TV. It's going to be must-see TV every single day. Every single day. Um, Every single day. I do want to answer this one before we head out here because I know you got to go do another show. Shout out our boy Connor. I don't know if you guys have said it already, but does Keem Butler have any chance of becoming a solid option for the offense speed and size? We already touched on this saying that, you know, we, we think it's, it's the special teams, but at the same time, you know, that the route is open. You just have to be, you just have to be exceptional. You know what? Let, let's try to give some context here. What makes Hakeem Butler worthy of, a roster spot just in general. You know what I mean? Like if this wasn't a, if this team had less options already, what is so appealing about Hakeem Butler? So I can just look back at Hakeem Butler coming out because a, we haven't seen much of him since. So that's all really, I have to go off of, um, but you know, coming out Butler was, oh, yeah, you're really, not an XFL guy. I forgot. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, it, he was a really intriguing prospect because for his size, he moves really well. So Mm -hmm. one of the things I think that he does that's kind of special for his size is how quickly he transitions from receiver to runner. Um, He made a lot of big plays after the catch, uh, especially for a big guy with the football. So that would be intriguing for me. You know, the ability, obviously, with the size to make plays with the ball in the air, I think is is intriguing to me. Um, But having said that, yes, the Steelers have other options on the outside that are just kind of already entrenched. I mean, Pickens and Deontay are going to be the number one and number two guys, even Allen Robinson over the course of his career, he's been a primary, you know, number one, high tier, number two receiver that's played, you know, primarily on the outside, which is really where Butler probably is going to slide in most at. So they have some other guys, but injuries happen, man. Like, obviously I want those guys to stay healthy. You just never know. So bringing in a guy that's, you know, got some physical talent like Butler is interesting. I am interested to see if potentially he gets some big slot kind of moments or opportunities within this offense um, early in training camp, because I think that that could be a way for them to potentially unlock a different element Um, just with his skill set being a little bit different, obviously very different from, you know, let's just say Calvin Austin because they're completely 180 type of builds yeah, uh, 108 yeah those seven on seven goal lines that's gonna be where it's at that's gonna be where it's at um all right and last one here for you our boy richard jumped down right at the end connor hayward reduced role this year we talked about it last week with the tight ends but i think that we both agree it could be it could be possibly a bigger role yeah uh appreciate carl all you guys are doing a lot of heavy lifting in the chat getting people to like the video yeah we appreciate yeah, we that appreciate um, the love is real for real yeah, Richard, um, I, it's going to be different. I, I think that I want to personally see more 12 and 13 personnel this year with the Steelers. Um, I was actually going to write something. I'm going to spoil my own article. But I was going to okay. write something about how, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs last year, their offense was extremely explosive and really, really efficient out of 13 personnel. And I think when you look at the Steelers' depth chart, you know, with Fryermuth, Washington, Connor Hayward, I think that you have a potential – uh, to run some of that stuff here in Pittsburgh as well. So I'm excited about that potentially. Hayward's 
probably the guy who would benefit most if, you know, Firemuth was to get banged up with an injury or something like that. They yes. would probably elect to put him in the slot a little bit. But Hayward did see a little bit of an increase in snaps late last season after the Claypool trade. And that was really because the Steelers didn't have a ton of options in the slot last year. I mean, yeah. Firemuth was their slot receiver. He's probably going to be, you know, their primary slot receiver this year too. But um, it, it's interesting. There's there's a lot of guys kind of caught in a numbers crunch. But, again, I will go back to the special teams aspect. Connor Hayward is, is going to be a really, really good special teamer, in my opinion, in the league. And I think that's what's going to keep him on this roster. Um, and I think he could even be – down the line, maybe not this year, but probably next year, a uh, special teams captain for Danny Smith's group. Yes, I agree. I think all those things could definitely be true. Especially, I think he's just a staple of Danny Smith in that group while also adapting to the NFL level of, you know, I'm a smaller guy. I got to figure this out. That takes a year or two. But in that year or two, I expect I expect things to happen. You know, we ju- I just watched the Julian Edelman sh- uh, episode of the New Heights podcast the other day, and he talked about how he came in here and was positionless and, you know, he just had to make it work. And I think Connor Hayward's that's he's an athlete. You know, he's a good athlete. He's good at football. He's just undersized and has to figure out where he belongs. And I think how they make that work will will figure itself out during the season. All right. With that, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash all Steelers Talk. Like this video and check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. Enjoy a beautiful week in the berg. Check out all of our stuff at allsteelers.com and we will be back on Monday.